but that's that's an indirect acceptance of the fact that white people must be superior why is it that white people don't come for jobs to, to work in companies run by women and people of color uh, in fact if we really wanted to prove ourselves to be equal we should actually do exactly that which is to offer jobs to white males uh, and then prove that we are equal Joining us for a conversation is Giant Bandari, the founder of Capitalism and Morality, and a highly sought advisor to institutional investors. Mr. Bandari, welcome to the show, sir. Uh, thank you for having me, Maurice. Always a pleasure to have you on the program, as today we will discuss ESG and EDI and how they're impacting the natural resource base. Then we will shift our focus into junior mining stocks and physical precious metals and conclude with philosophy. Mr. Bandari, you recently wrote a piece entitled Value Traps and Economic Ignorance, in which you address the impacts of ESG and EDI, which in recent months have become buzzwords for speculators in the natural resource space. I would like to begin with what you term the holier than thou with ESG. And by the way, the acronym ESG stands for Environment, Social and Governance. Sir, introduce us to the concept of ESG and its supposed altruistic intentions and intended demographic. Uh, Maurice, there's no altruistic intention behind ESG and EDI. This is just a way to virtue signal and to make money. Uh, this is These terms have come out of the minds of very selfish, naive, and shallow-thinking people. And uh, indeed, they have become predominant across the business world today. Uh, and th there are many reasons behind it. Firstly, that uh, a lot of uh, fund managers who are, again, very naive, who wear nice suits, but they are empty-headed in, in, in their uh, suit, uh, they, uh, they fall for these uh, nice-sounding acronyms, which make them look uh, uh, saintly. When all they are after is actually making more money, they think they can attract more investor money into their funds and then these funds put ESG and EDI conditions on companies before they finance those companies. So these companies are forced to uh, engage uh, corrupt uh, NGOs uh, as consultants to write uh, romantic, glorified reports about their EDI and ESG performance. Uh, and this is just a cycle of corruption, naivety, and shallow thinking. And this is actually very corrupting to our moral and ethical values. Well, on the surface, the concept seems rational, logic, and fair. But there's another side to the story, the unintended consequences that are duplicitous and all too often overlooked and germane to the natural resource space. You have some serious concerns. Please enlighten us on what is disguised in ESG. Uh, well, uh, listen, if we have laws and we have correct moral values, Maurice, why should we have to write uh, uh, romantic uh, explanations of all the good things we are doing in the society? And the job of these companies is not to do good to the society directly. The, their job is to make the most money po possible for their shareholders. And remember, if, if the money goes into the pockets of shareholders, they can by themselves use their money the way they want to for social welfare. And remember, America, Americans provide more charity money uh, to 
poor people and poor countries than any other country on the planet. And there's a reason behind it. If more money goes into your pocket because of lower taxation, people are directly more charitable. So let people do charity with their own money rather than companies doing charity with shareholders' money. And the problem is that uh, bureaucrats who work in these companies are very happy spending money of shareholders for charitable purposes. Maurice, it's very easy for me to spend your money and look good and saintly, but it's after all your money. I get the credit and you spend the money. It's so hypocritical and shallow thinking and so immoral. You should get to your spend your own money for charitable purposes. And I have nothing against charity. If you if you can f identify people who deserve to get your money, do it, but don't use other people to spend their money and spend their money through your hands. Now, the problem with ESG and EDI reporting is that these companies then have to engage expensive uh, consultants who claim to be charitable organizations who write reports on how these companies are doing good to the society. So what you do is that you institutionalize these consultants who want their jobs to continue. So they create uh, an institution by itself uh, and they don't want poverty to finish because if poverty finished, these consultants would cease to exist. Uh, and as uh, Doug Casey might say that uh, America lost the war on poverty the day we started to have a welfare government, a government that wanted to fight poverty. Now, when you do your, these glorified reports on ESG and EDI, you actually lose focus on doing good. Uh, you are more focused on preparing glorified reports for your companies. Uh, and that is where all the corruption and shallow thinking uh, comes from. And you lose touch with whatever moral and ethical uh, work you might have done otherwise. Now, if we've raised your eyebrows on ESG, Wait till you meet his cousin, EDI, which stands for Equality, Diversity, and Inclusion. Sir, please introduce us to EDI. Uh, now, this is truly a pathetic concept. It's a very sexist and racist concept, um, and which basically tells you that um, black people, people of color, women, LGBTQ people are incompetent that they cannot rise through the ranks through merit and that the only way they can rise through the ranks is through affirmative policy. Across the board now, companies are having to employ people of color and women into positions of leadership. Um, and the problem, Maurice, is that now if I meet a senior member of a company who is a black or who is a woman, uh, my I'm, I'm no longer sure whether that person has merit or that person is there because of his skin color or because of his or her genitals. Now, those people who get appointed in those places and then get promoted by companies as if those com companies were doing something very charitable should actually find it repulsive that they are being promoted for for the color of their skin and for their genitals. Uh, for me, that is actually a degrading to these people. If I were seen to be in a higher position in my life, Maurice, and the same with you as a black person and me as a 
person of color if i rose to a higher position and people saw me as having reached that position without uh, not because of merit but because of the color of my skin and your skin i would feel terribly degraded uh, and i would revolt against companies who had used me as a as a pawn to advertise their good work so it's a very sexist and edi is very sexist and racist and uh, it's very condescending towards women and people of color companies should stop doing this but again this has become across the spectrum very common now every junior mining company that i see is appointing women into their board of direct into their boards uh, because again funds are asking them these companies to appoint women to their boards and again because there are not many women in the mining industry all kinds of women are getting appointed and now i no longer know who among these women is competent and who is not most of them likely are not because they are they have been appointed because of their genitals and these women should find their their own appointment repulsive we black people and women want white people white men to give them jobs but that's that's an indirect acceptance of the fact that white people must be superior why is it that white people don't come for jobs to, to work in companies run by women and people of color uh, in fact if we really wanted to prove ourselves to be equal we should actually do exactly that which is to offer jobs to white males Uh, and then prove that we are equal uh, by not doing it that way we actually show the superiority of white males and i hate to admit that because i don't want to make them feel superior and i don't accept that they are superior yeah it goes along with the point that you and i were discussing earlier giant when we talked about if you're not wanted somewhere then why fight to be in there go and become their competitor right absolutely but then the, this is what uh, these people the 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 losers think that it is the job of the white males to give them jobs uh, just move on and uh, find a better job for yourself yeah and the path to financial freedom is not wages but profits and so if you're looking to become an employee you realize that you're probably reducing your opportunity to become financially independent and that's yeah for know, most people yeah but for most people that isn't going to happen maurice entrepreneurs are very rare <laughs> that that they are yeah yeah <laughs> it's a, it's a certain breed certain mindset and uh, i completely agree with it yeah yeah now i want to make sure that everyone is clear on what mr bandari just conveyed to us he's not saying that he's opposed to someone of any color any ethnicity any gender being in a certain position but it should be based on merit merit is the key word here am i correct in that oh, of course uh, uh, maurice i don't care about the color of your skin or the nature of your sexual or uh, orientation or sexual preference whatever is the politically correct term these days i don't care about any of that as far as we have friendship and we work together in a way that's productive for all of us i'm all for it i i actually don't want to def, uh, see a person's skin color as the basis of assessing that person and hence we should forget about these race and tribal issues that are be- increasingly becoming very dominant in the current wave of woke culture that has started to have a huge influence on the institutions and the public space thinking 
in in the western countries which are actually very contrary to the civil western civilizational uh, values you say woke but i say joke <laughs> i tell you i uh i i'm really uh frustrated with their impact on our society and uh it's uh, disheartening. But here's an, an important point to also recognize here for someone listening. When you look at the images of Mr. Bhandari and you look at the image of myself, you're not seeing two Caucasians speaking regarding this subject matter. Here you're hearing two minorities giving a different viewpoint that doesn't get heard regarding this subject matter. And I know a lot of people think it, but they don't, uh, maybe don't have the platform to say it. And we're going to just uh, get the most out of Mr. Bandari here as we can today. Sir, what is behind the curtain on EDI that concerns you the most? Well, uh, firstly, you get incompetent people rising through the ranks because they would have been risen through the ranks for their skin color and the nature of their genitals. Now, uh, the problem is that corrupts the institutions throughout. It corrupts the thinking of the institutions because the the leaderships in these companies start thinking in terms of virtue signaling. They, they no longer want to appoint people based on their merit. They appoint based on their the color of their skin or the nature of their genitals. And these women get paraded around as if uh, for being uh, women uh, in higher positions. Now, how should I trust these women and people of color when I don't know how they got appointed to their positions? So it creates uh, a cascading uh, uh, effect on the nature of the institutions, which creates corruption. You bring it, uh, 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 unmeritocratic people in positions of power. And my suspicion is, Maurice, that we have tested the nature of our institutions over the last one year. We have truly pathetic people running our governments bureaucracy and positions of experts in the Western society today. Uh, you saw the problems we had in uh, Texas with electricity. You saw the prob uh, problems of forest fires in California. And the Western world has not been able to handle COVID-19 properly. Uh, and the reason is that you only have to go to any of the government offices, particularly the local government offices. And you see that a lot of people there are there because they are either lazy or because they got into those positions because they are either women or people of color. There are all kinds of corrupt reasons why they are there. And they are incompetent. They have not been able to decide on what they should have done with COVID-19. Quite in contrast, you look at East Asia where uh, people don't have a clue about affirmative policy. And I repeat, in East Asia, if you mention the term affirmative policy, they laugh at it because it's such, they're clueless about this thing. And as a result, their institutions are based on merit uh, and they have been able to take much better action on COVID-19 uh, because their institutions are solid and their institutions are ba based on meritocracy. Recently, you took part in a uh, discussion panel and EDI, uh, inquiries were uh, taken, and uh, there was an important one that caught your attention. Well, um, Maurice, this is now so common. Uh, you go into panel discussions and people ask uh, these companies, these five or eight million dollar companies about their ESG and EDI policies. Uh, I saw a tweet of one junior mining company with a small project, actually an economic project, I think, 
Uh, and this company has been advertising itself as, uh, you know, it's they probably have 15 people in the company and they talk about how they have a black uh, woman as, uh, uh, as a geologist, uh, Native Indians as drillers and, uh, you know, all kinds of, and the, the, the female as the exploration manager. So they, this is all virtue signaling, uh, which people have got into. This has distracted us from, real value creation. Uh, and uh, I don't have any confidence whatsoever in such kind of managements, uh, particularly the ones who over advertise these things for virtue signaling purposes, or uh, if they truly believe in it, because when, if they truly believe in it, they don't really understand economics, they don't really have their focus on uh, value creation. And if they don't have it, I have no interest in giving my money to them. Giant, what is the solution and what can we as speculators do? Uh, you said the right thing, Maurice. These are jokes. These are not wokes. These are jokes. And we should make fun of these people. Uh, we should openly talk about it. We should uh, make it very clear that if uh, people of color or women or LGBTQ people rise to uh, positions of uh, high management, and if they are, I have no way to know whether they got there because of merit or because of their of their genitals or uh, skin color. So those people, people like you and me should be fighting against EDI because it degrades those of us who are competent and who are who got to higher positions because of our merit. So that's what we should do. We should make fun of those people who promote ESG and ESG. EDI. Uh, and as far as money is concerned, avoid giving too much money to people who have, who follow these uh, stupid concepts. Uh, now, of course, you have to give, uh, because every company is now forced to follow this ESG and EDI uh, narrative, uh, we have li limited opportunities, but a lot of these companies do it only for making sure that they get the money from uh, fund managers. As long as they're doing it just to get by, I'm okay with that. But if they really believe in it, we should not be giving money to these companies. And it seems like the caution flag that you're signaling here is that if a company is spending too much time uh, focused on the narrative of, of ESG and EDI, that should be a caution flag because they're probably not focused as much on extracting or exploring. Absolutely. And these people, you know, you can't try to do everything. You can't do uh, charitable work. You can't do uh, control glo global climate change. You can't do all kinds of things while you are, you should be busy mining and running your process plant uh, at f for a profit. Moving on to junior mining stocks, which metals have your attention at the moment in the space and why? Uh, well, uh, two metals that uh, uh, clearly have my attention. One is copper, and one is um, one is gold. Uh, and the reason copper, of course, has my attention is because copper has done extremely well over the last one year. Uh, it has uh, it has gone up by uh, almost uh, more than a hundred percent in the last one year. Uh, now, uh, people should remember that copper has seen this. Uh, several times in the past uh, about 10 years back copper was similarly priced as it is today uh, and actually in real terms it was higher 10 years back so people should not fall into this lustful greedy thinking that copper should start uh, 
should keep going up. So uh, copper, of course, has a lot of my attention. And of course, copper companies have performed very well, copper mining companies, uh, mostly because um, uh, copper price has gone up very well and inflation was not in the market until about three months back, which meant that copper companies were making a lot of profit. I'm suspicious about this continuing into the future, and I'm suspicious about this uh, bullish feeling that people have about copper and copper companies right now. The Jay. other 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 metal, of course, is gold because inflation is not sloshing around the world, uh, and it will uh, reflect more and more in the price of gold. Giant, you're a highly sought-out advisor to institutional investors, and when it comes to arbitrage opportunities, your work is second to none. Are there any companies that have your attention that merit our attention? Oh, sure. Uh, uh, Maurice, there's a company called Ostar Gold. The ticker is AUL, uh, and this company trades on ASX in Australia, uh, and it trades around 30 cents Australian. Uh, this company is being acquired by another Australian company, and the arbitrage upside is more than 35%, 3 5%. Uh, the company is Outstar Gold. The ticker is AUL. And just a reminder, it was five years ago today that you made your call on Sunridge Gold, which produced a 600-plus return for our audience members in one day. And that was May 19th, if I'm not mistaken. And that was only one of three high-yielding returns that subscribers received on Sunridge Gold, which you were kind enough to share with us right here on Proven and Probable. So make sure you take a listen to what Mr. Bandari is sharing here regarding the junior mining stocks that have his attention. Now, we discussed resource stocks. What are your thoughts on owning physical precious metals, in, in, and in particular, I should say, with the effects of inflation rearing its ugly head? Uh, well, uh, the, the, the economy going forward is going to become increasingly unpredictable. Uh, there has been so much cash printed over the last one year and given away to people. Uh, and remember, a lot of this cash has actually gone into the hands of people who actually consume using that cash. The, a lot of money that went into the hands of people in 2008 was in hands of people who were too rich to use that cash, and it ended up in bonds and uh, long-term investments. So this is a different kind of cash that we have today. It is going to create a huge of amount of uncertainty in relationship to inflation. Now, the other problem is we don't know what will get inflated and what will not get inflated. Some some things will go up in price, some will not. There will be all kinds of problems related with uh, value creation. Uh, we don't have enough people uh, coming to work in the US today because they have easy access to free money. So why should you go and work? So there's a strange kind of environment we live in. Uh, my view is that people should stay invested in, uh, in real substances like gold, which give you uh, a, a way to shelter yourself in this, these times of uncertainty. And, and you somewhat answered my next question here. If you were to begin your physical precious metals portfolio today, what would you be buying? Oh, clearly, gold and silver, uh, Maurice, uh, both are very important commodity. Both are very important uh, precious metals. And silver has uh, a lot of industrial usages. 
uh, and uh, uh, bo- in both, I see a good future just because of inflation that is starting to hit the market. And as a reminder, I'm a licensed representative to buy and sell physical precious metals through Miles Franklin Precious Metals Investments delivered directly to your home. And that's physical gold, silver, platinum, palladium, and rhodium sent directly to your home. Give me a call at 855-505-1900. That number again is 855-505-1900. Or you may email maurice at milesfranklin.com. In conclusion, let's discuss your favorite topic, philosophy. Giant, you're a champion of liberty, the free market, and philosophy. Why is Giant Bandari so passionate about philosophy? Maurice, it is because of philosophy that the Western society was able to emerge out of animal kingdom. It was philosophy that made Western civilization so distinctly superior to everything else on the planet. Uh, And without philosophy, we don't have the backbone to stay human. We don't have the backbone to stay a civilization. We don't have the backbone to stay uh, uh, economically sound. Uh, And that is where we have a huge importance of being rational, being philosophical, uh, being objective, being uh, being discerning, being value conscious. And a lot of these things connect with each other. Uh, and that is what made the West great. And if West destroyed it, destroys itself, it will be because it will have given up on its core concept of philosophy. Which makes me ask the following question. Is philosophy basically a dead concept? Uh, well, of course not. For the modern woke people who have no clue about the past, who have never read, read an article in their life, who go on the roads protesting for things they don't really understand, shallow con- shallow thinking people who want free money, and people who do all the virtue signaling, like the ones we just talked about, who do virtue signaling using EDI and ESG, using other people's money. Uh, this, these woke people are not philosophical. They can... They can indeed do well individually in the short term because of all the virtue signaling that they do and the way they fit into a profitable uh, career by catering to the demands of other woke people in the institutions. Uh, The fact remains that they are corroding and destroying the institutions and the society by their behavior. Uh, You really need philosophy and objective thinking for the society to continue to improve. Uh, But as we can see, uh, the Western society is on a downward path. And the reason is that uh, we have given away our institutional control to woke people. And the masses are mostly woke. They want free money. They want bread and circuses. They decide uh, what kind of rulers we have. And as a result, Western society is getting degraded. So no, uh, uh, philosophy is not dead, but we might be killing philosophy, uh, which will eventually kill us, destroy us as a civilization. I'm often asked, what are some foundational literatures and or videos that inspired you? Um, Well, clearly, uh, Ayn Rand was uh, a very important person uh, in my thinking because she gave me a lot of clarity of thought. Uh, I don't have to follow her 
all the time, but I quite like uh, a lot of work that she has done. Uh, Doug Casey, my mentor, has been a huge influence in my thinking. Uh, this one person uh, who I have in the past invited to my seminar, Capitalism and Morality, uh, his name is Stefan Molyneux. I quite like him. Some of the videos of his that I have watched are great. He is a very deep thinker, and he, he he's, he's very good. Uh, a lot of people I have met have been uh, affected by his thinking. Have you considered writing a book on philosophy? Uh, I love to, Maurice, at some point of time, uh, but I continue to do a lot of writing work, but those are all articles. Maybe I should start with compiling those articles into a book uh, one of these days. Absolutely. We'd love to read it. <laughs> Before we close, Giant, you're the founder of a philosophical forum based on reason, argumentation, and liberty called Capitalism and Morality. It's conducted every year in Vancouver, British Columbia for over a decade now. Sir, please introduce us to capitalism and morality. Um, I have been running this seminar for the last 10 years, Maurice. Uh, and uh, again, this is a seminar in which we talk about philosophy. We talk about Western civilization. We talk about why Western civilization became so distinct from other societies. And, uh, the, and, and Western civilization has been the only civilization I have known. Uh, and the people who have copied Western civilization successfully have been able to succeed well uh, the way East Asians have done. East Asians have done a very good job of copying the best aspects of Western society. Uh, and I want to talk about those issues that make the West, made the West so great uh, and why we should make every effort not to lose those values. What are the dates for this year's event? Location uh, and who are the keynote speakers? Um, well, uh, the we are very likely not to have the seminar this year, uh, and the reason is that Canada continues to be under the lockdown. Uh, it has always the seminar has always been held in downtown Vancouver, Canada. Uh, but again, we can't uh, rent the room. Government is not allowing gatherings to happen. So unfortunately, we have had to uh, cancel the event uh, or it's unlikely to happen unless something changes substantially very soon. Uh, the keynote speakers will, uh, you know, we have, uh, if, if the seminar is to be held this year, it will be Adrian Day, Doug Casey, Rick Rule, uh, Jeff Deist of Mises Institute. Um, uh, there are about 10, 10 or 13 speakers. They are all on my website uh, uh, under a tab, uh, Capitalism and Morality. Well, sir, I'm going to do everything I can in my power to see if we can make this come to fruition. It's just a, it's it's so enlightening. If you haven't had an opportunity, visit Jain Bandari's website, click the tab Capitalism and Morality, and take a look at some of the keynote speakers in the past, Doug Casey, Rick Rule, Jayan Pandari, Adrian Day, Mickey Fulp, the list goes on. But what's what I found intriguing, Jayan, uh, and I really learned this from capitalism and morality. When I first got into the natural resource space over a decade ago, I would listen to some of those keynote speakers, but I only heard them in the context of finance, investing. And I never drew the connection of why that person resonated so much with me. And then I was introduced to your platform, Capitalism and morality and now you hear the philosophical side of some of these great minds now here they're not focused on 
on finance and investing. What they're focused on is philosophy. And it just, you see the whole holistic picture of that individual that maybe you see on our program on Proven and Probable or one of our peers. I would highly encourage anyone listening today, visit Giant's website, uh, giantbandari.com, and click the tab Capitalism and Morality. In closing, sir, what keeps you up at night that we don't know about? Maurice, uh, several of my friends uh, in Canada have recently left the country, uh, and that's how fearful they are about the rising tyranny in Canada. Now, Canada was probably the best country on the planet uh, 15 years back when I moved to Canada, uh, and the degradation that has been happening under Justin Trudeau has been enormous. Now, you don't want to blame everything on Justin Trudeau, but on the fact that uh, Canadians have become very, very woke. Uh, Canadians have, Canada has is increasingly a lifestyle country, unhinged from the philosophical uh, underpinnings of uh, that society. Uh, and uh, while Canada is a great, great place even today, uh, they must understand that they have lost their philosophical roots. And as a result, the country can very quickly, and I think it will become a, a horrible tyranny not very far into the future because they don't really have uh, strong beliefs about the philosophical values that brought Canada to where it is today. They have lost touch with uh, their ancestors, and that is not going to end well for Canada. And something very similar is in process in the U.S. and other Western countries as well. It should mm -hmm. be something very sad for those people who live in the West. Um, and fortunately, East Asia has done a reasonably good job of preserving some of those values. So uh, it feels sad to see what's happening in the West, but a lot of my friends are looking at moving to East Asia uh, in, in the future. Mr. Bandari, last question. What did I forget to ask? Uh, well, uh, you know, we, we should have talked a bit about uh, India, Maurice, but we can talk about it later. I was uh, in India for three months and I just left, left India a couple of weeks back. Uh, it's a war, war zone situation in India. The country is collapsing, it's imploding, and that is not because of COVID-19. Uh, it is collapsing because India has truly, truly idiotic people running that country, uh, very superstitious people, uh, and uh, they, they have proven that they have no institutions left. Uh, Indian hospitals never had oxygen cylinders, never had a free bed. And now with a slight increase in hospitalization cases happening because of COVID-19, uh, the whole system has fallen apart. Uh, dead bodies are floating on rivers because people are just dumping their dead in the rivers. Mm. Uh, riverside banks are now uh, have hundreds of bodies buried under, under the sand. So the government has actually lost control of or count of uh, who, how many people are dying. And no one knows what's happening in the rural places in the country so far because journalists don't go there and government has virtually no presence there. So it's a truly horrendous situation. Again, not because of COVID, but because uh, the institutions in that country have been completely hollowed out. Well, I hate to leave on such a bad note. I do want to ask you one final question. I forgot to ask you this. Have you had an opportunity to read uh, Bob Moriarty's latest book, What Became uh, I of the Crow? I haven't so far. Uh, Bob has uh, uh, 
I, I, I recently got the books uh, delivered to me uh, and uh, I will eventually read it in, a, in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I know you will definitely enjoy it. <laughs> Mr. Mandari, for someone listening that wants to learn more about your work, please share the website address. Uh, Jayanthbhandari.com and everything that I do goes on that website. Mr. Mandari, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Wishing you the absolute best, sir. Thank you very much uh, for the opportunity, Maurice. The information presented on Proven Improbable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor. 